Merchant of Magic. My name is Mike Farrell, and I'm here at the headquarters of Merchant of Magic. And we are very, very excited today because we've got a top magician who reaches out to all manner of magical ways as far as books and as a close-up magician and as a lecturer and as an all-round top professional. We're speaking today to Paul Gordon. Hi, Paul. Good morning to you. How are you? Hello there. Now, you are down on the south coast. Do you... Um, do you, do you work a lot down on the south coast down there? Um, actually, it's the old um, problem with all magicians. I seem to work elsewhere. So most of my bookings seem to be as far as way, away from my home as possible. It's very rare I seem to get local gigs, but when they do, that's the icing on the cake. That's quite nice, isn't it, to get somewhere that's, that's relatively yeah. nearby. Paul, you are known by thousands and thousands of magicians worldwide. Millions. millions. Millions of magicians, <laughs> but just for anybody who who isn't familiar with with your work, and we're going to go into uh, detail about the books and the lectures and basically your your sort of overall life as a magician. Um, could you just give us a synopsis, a quick overview on on on, on who you are and and what you do? Right. Well, um, as you said, my name is Paul Gordon. I've been doing magic for nearly fifty years since I was a small boy, and. Um, I got into it through a, a great uncle of mine showing me a coin trick, and uh, that was literally it. I was I was stuck with it forever, and um, excuse me, and um, hang on, is that a booking coming in? <laughs> yeah, I'll resolve that one. Just turn that off. Um, and uh, I joined local magic clubs in the mid seventies and uh, started creating my own material about the same time. And I've written many books on it, and as you said earlier, I do lectures, shows, and all aspects of magic, and a lot of writing. Well, that's 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 fantastic. Did you think that when you were young, did you did you have a calling to be a magician? Was it something that was in you to do? I don't know really. I think it was. Um, I, I lived in a house where my brother and sisters were always out. Um, we didn't have a television. And uh, so hobbies were the only way to go. And I think it's because of my uncle showing me that trick. And then also picking up a book on card magic. I fell in love with the card aspect. <clears throat> and uh, it was a cheap hobby. I, I seem to have a knack for it. Um, I've always been inquisitive. So that's the creative side. But I don't think there was a natural calling for it, really. Just not a hard work. Would you say, because uh, I, I think cards are really your thing, aren't they? Can you remember the first sort of decent card trick you did and, and, and how you came about that? Well, the... Uh, I went to a magic dinner when I was about uh, 14, 15 years old. And at the dinner, there was a raffle, and um, I won in the raffle Harry Lorraine's Close-Up Card Magic, which was published in 1962, and I think I got it in about 1976 or seven. Right. And I fell in love with the book um, because it was doable commercial magic. Um, and all the stuff that I'd read prior to that all seemed a little bit... Um, impractical and a little bit ancient as well some of the very old hoffman books and so on that kind of thing so um yeah cards um cards are your thing i imagine in those days it was a lot more difficult to learn card magic because you only had books didn't you at your disposal nowadays of course we've got we've got downloads you've got videos you've got dvds you've got also the internet i mean there's a wealth of knowledge out there now but in those days i suppose it would have been very difficult to learn how to do magic with cards just from a book, was it? Well, actually, I am um, not wishing to disagree, although I do disagree. I think it was easier in those days because you had fewer choices. Um, you had to learn from a book. You know, there was no other way. There was no computers, no videos, no DVDs, no downloads, no uploads, no whatever. Mm. So if you wanted to learn magic, if you were fortunate enough to know somebody who was good, and they could help you, but um, I didn't. So I had to get the books, and um, I never knew about conventions until um, two or three years into it. I didn't know they existed until I stumbled across one, uh, one of the IBM ones. Um, so I think with fewer choices of learning, you have uh, fewer options, so they, therefore you have to knuckle down and get on with it. Yeah, I expect so. Do you, do you think that the want to be a magician was greater then? Because it was so much harder, wasn't it, to, to, to get your hands on, on, on how things work and everything else. I think the natural want to be a magician must have been greater in those days than it is nowadays. Because nowadays you can just casually look and see how, how, how to work magic and buy magic. And yeah. 
I think I think my generation and older were fortunate in a way because um, having to, I mean, for instance, um, it's a kind of slightly off on a tangent here, but to get magic books when I was a young lad, I had to do a lot of odd jobs and bobber jobs, as they were called in those days, yeah. earn a few shillings by cleaning my dad's car and, you know, painting the next door neighbor's fence or something. And so the mere fact that I had to work hard to get those books made me read the books more thoroughly because I'd spent, mon- you know, good money on them. Sometimes it took me six months to save up wow. uh, to get those books. So that, I think my generation seem to be, will, will be around longer than some of the younger people. Because if you're, if you only um, watch DVDs or if you only go onto YouTube, it's all so firefly instant that it's yeah. so easy to get distracted. And before you know it, you become overwhelmed with technology and information. Um, as Darwin Orta said, you, you start flicking from one thing to another. In actual fact, you spend all day practicing, but actually you're practicing nothing. That's right. Absolutely. I, I, I completely agree. So fast forwarding now, are you, a, are, are you an active working magician? Are, are, you, are you gigging? Are you up and about? Yeah, um, up and about. <laughs> Make me sound ancient. Um, <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. Yes. Um, yeah, just, I, I still do it, obviously. But I, um, thankfully, I'm, I'm in a position where I don't have to work as much as I used to because when I was younger, I decided this is the business aspect of it. I decided very wisely to earn as much as I could when I was younger, um, pay the mortgage off, put money in savings so that I didn't have to do it when I got older. But I still do it because I still enjoy it. But, uh, um, you know, again, off at a tangent, I have seen far too many older magicians who look like they would rather not be doing it, but they are only doing it because financially they have to. Yeah. So, you know, I still do it um, because I enjoy it. That, that frightens me, actually. As a, a working close-up magician myself, I, mm. I constantly wonder where I'm going to be in 10 years' time. So mm. as, a, as, a, as a beginner, you know, as someone who, who has that fire burning inside them, someone who I would imagine hasn't decided to do this for the rest of their life but could possibly end up that way, yeah. what advice would you give somebody who's listening now who, who really wants to be a magician What's your first point of call? What's what's your first bit of advice, would you say? Well, my advice is, and it's never gentle advice, because um, I don't think there's any shortcut to being good. Um, Now, what I mean by that is that up until the age of 13 or 14, my father, who was quite tough, he said to me, look, you've you've spent enough time fiddling around and um, practicing and uh, reading and so on. You will never become good at this by entertaining the aunts and uncles at parties because aunts and uncles and family relations, they just do not give you the same response that the ugly public do um, in a real situation. So my father said to me, go down to the local pub and entertain them down there. So, you know, very nervously I did. I went to the local pub and for free I asked the landlord um, if I could entertain for free rather. And I did, and I was dreadful. I was really bad, and I came away um, crying my eyes out. But you've got to expect that, I suppose, haven't you? I mean, that's that is a very big, brave move to to, to do that, to walk into. Yeah, it was brave, and I I could have given up then. But my father, being my father, sort of uh, said, "No, go back down again next week and do it again." And after about two or three months of you know, pretty good failure, um, I started to understand what was required entertainment-wise, not just the tricks, because I could do the tricks. That was no problem because I'd worked really hard. But it was the performing, the entertaining, and the engaging with people that I, you know, I was a young boy. So I learned very quickly, and um, I started getting good at it. I think, I think you're right there, Paul. I, I think that 50% of, of the game, as it were, is, is mastering uh, the, the the tricks and polishing your act and everything. But the other 50%, of course, is being the right character to to perform those tricks and having that attitude, which, which only experience can, can, can get. So would you yeah. say that for a beginner is to just basically just when they, when they feel that they're ready, is just get themselves out there. Is, is, is that what you think? Yeah. Where would you go now though in, in this day and age where, what would you do? It sounds like you had your father behind you actually, which is quite nice. Well, I, I did in a way, but I think um, he was a quite, he, he was just an old fashioned um, ex world war two captain who was very kind of stiff upper lip and get on with it or 
you know, you know, when I when I left school, he said, get a job or leave the house up to you. That kind of that he was that kind of a person. So, um, you know, my advice is the first thing to say, which is a positive, although it may come across as negative, is there is no such thing as failure. The only failure is not trying in the first place. Yeah, that's a very good point. Very good. Any youngsters out there, if you want to do this, um, I would literally, I would go down to a local uh, wine bar or whatever they call them now, mm. um, maybe show the manager um, some magic. If he likes it, just say to him, would it be okay if I came in once or twice a week and um, sat in the corner and did some magic for people? And then, you know, you can't expect to be... Um, good when you start but don't be knocked by it if um, you don't do well because what will happen is you'll simply learn that certain moves don't work certain tricks aren't as good as you thought they were for the public and you'll learn all these things as long as you go back and listen to the own listen to your own um, mind as it were telling you what went wrong mm. and what went good i think also not to believe your own your own worth you know oh, absolutely yeah, yeah. Um, because a lot of i i speak to a lot of people who uh who think they're much better than possibly that they are so yeah, yeah. you've got to be level-headed i guess haven't you and also business cards as well you've got to give uh, business cards out you've got to you've got to let people people may watch a trip and not know how to get hold of you so so yeah. business cards are quite important do you think well, I don't think for a youngster, I don't think you want to be giving business cards out. You know, I think what you should do is, um, you know, do this route of entertaining as many people as you can for a year or two at least. And then um, think about it after that, because you actually might entertain people after a few months and realize it's not for you. That you'd rather just be a hobbyist, which is fine. You know, there's nothing wrong in that. And by the way, you know, I, I don't have any, well, I really do not have any ego about this because I know my limitations as well. But what I do is when I entertain, I always give 100% into it. Um, so I do a lot of lectures for magicians, and I always perform as if I was performing for the king and queen of England, as it were. Right. Um, and I know a lot of magicians find that tough. They, they they start explaining the magic as opposed to performing it, so that they'll meet another magician and they'll say, what I do is this. I control a card to the top. I then have the card chosen. I then put it back. I then do this. I then do that. And I often say to people, look, please don't, talk to me about the trick, just perform it for me. That's right, it's supposed to be magic, isn't it? It's supposed to be magic, you know. <laughs> I won't go on my high horse here, but I have this issue about, you know, the difference between um, flourishes and uh, juggling and magic. If you yeah. want to discuss that later, I'm very happy to. You know, I think, Paul, I, I think you can be on the high horse. You've been in the game for 50 years and... and, and uh, <laughs> is, that, is that what you did say, 50 years, did you? <laughs> yeah, well... I got interested 50 years ago, yeah. I oh, know, I mean, that's it. I'm 28 now. Yeah, right, okay, let's see. So um, a lot of people have said to me when they're starting out that they get the shakes, they get yeah. nervous, and nerves are the single most killer for yeah. performance to, to execute any kind of sleight of hand or anything like that. It can really kill you. Yeah. Do you have any advice on that score, nerves? I have the all-time cure for nerves. Oh, brilliant. Well, this is this is this is the... this is the price of admission. Let's have it. Okay, I have to backtrack first and tell you something. Now, one of my favourite movies is Shawshank Redemption. I agree. One of mine too. It's a cracker, isn't it? Yep. Now, the reason it's good is because everything in the film is excellent. Now, when you go and watch a film, you don't think about those various aspects. You sit and you enjoy the ride. And when you come out, normally the response is, wow. You say to your partner, your friend, what a cracking movie. Wasn't that brilliant? Now, when you break it down, the reason it's good is because the actors are good. The acting is good. The cinematography, the direction, the script, the lighting, the scenery, the setting, all the aspects make the film brilliant. Yeah. Now, let's think of a negative. Let's assume, for instance, in the film that somebody gave a bad performance. You wouldn't come out of the cinema and say, what a brilliant movie. You come out and the first thing you'd say, say was, oh, what a shame about that actor. Wasn't he dreadful? Now, yeah. that, that's I'm, the reason I'm saying that is this. The reason magicians get nervous is because they do not thoroughly understand their performance and their technique and their presentation 100 percent 
Because what will happen is you go and do a trick. And if it's, a, say, a double lift and you're not that good at it, you know it's coming up. You get anxious before you do it. And when you do it, your hands tremble because you know it's coming up. You can sense the audience staring at you. And everything from there on goes downhill. Yeah. Now, let's assume that, the convert, conversely, that if you've mastered your tricks and your slights, that's the first thing, which is just down to good practice. Perfect practice makes perfect. Not, not practice makes perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. But then also, if you get the engagement with the audience correct, your script, your patter correct, your presentation correct, the way you dress correct, if all the aspects are correct and perfect as you can make them, when people watch you, they won't be anxious. You won't get anxious. They'll enjoy the ride. You'll enjoy the ride and everything is hunky-dory thereafter. Yeah. But if any one aspect is wrong, you know, a trick, if you haven't rehearsed it correctly, you've got to do a certain move and you don't really know it and you know they're going to stare at you and they do stare at you. And you know that look that people give you when they think you've done something, which is kind of a, they, they go wide-eyed or they kind of tat in that kind of, I know what you're doing. Yeah, <laughs> I'm afraid so. <laughs> um, it's all those kind of things that just make you nervous. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I also think that, um, you know, a, 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 a hypnotist said to me once that, that unless the show is advertised, it, my hypnotic show won't work. Mm. People need to be thinking about it. And, and I think in, in a way that's kind of similar with, with a magician. You've got to be the magician standing in front of your audience, not John Smith, who lives at 32 Chelsea yeah. Road. You've got to, you, if you believe it yourself, it, it becomes a lot more cre- credible, do you, do you think? Well, I also think that um, your performing energy should always be a tad higher than that of the people you are performing. Mm. And not too high and not too low, because you need to command, the presence has to be there, you have to be the boss, you have to be, I'm in charge here, I'm entertaining you, you're going to have a good time, but I am actually entertaining you. As soon as you get conversational or your energy drops, that's when people start muttering, moving away, and tatting and huffing and puffing, and that's when you get nervous. So you have to... I mean, for instance, if you're going to entertain a bunch of 18-year-olds at an 18th birthday party, and if you're my age, you have to slightly kind of swing with the way they talk and the way they act, which is normally quite brisk and upbeat and so on. So you've got to be slightly above their level. But if you did the same level of entertainment for a 90-year-old birthday party, you'd frighten the life out of them. So you've got to blend in a little, haven't you? You you, You have to blend in, but slightly more than they are. So you've got a little bit more energetic than everybody else. I always try and not pretend, but pretend I know them. I've known them for years. If if I join a party of people, yeah, I'll pretend that I, they're old friends. You know, I mean, not quite like that, but I, I won't go and introduce myself and explain that I don't know anyone. You know, I always address people like I've known them for years, and that makes me feel instantly comfortable, which is, which is quite fun. Well, it's, it's very important. Well, that's correct. And it's also very important, to, you know, aside from everything else, likability, the, the likability factor. It doesn't matter what you do yeah. because if they don't like you, it's over. We've, had, we've definitely had it. So how do you feel lecturing in front of magicians? That must be quite a, that must be quite a tough audience. I don't find it tough at all, to be honest. Now, that's not a boastful comment. It's just that I perform as if I'm performing for laymen. Right. You're, you're, I, able, you're able to put a shield up because you're not going to get yeah. the same reaction that you will from a lay audience. You, you, you will if you act the way I've just said. Right, I see. I'll tell you why this came about. I was lecturing. The first time I did a lecture in America was about, um, I don't know, nearly 30 years ago or something. And... Um, I didn't know who was going to be there, and I was backstage waiting to come on. All I knew was it was tiered seating, right. and um, it was a big event out there. And when I came on to the close-up arena, all the lights, the bright lights were on. Now, when the lights came up, about three foot, literally three foot in front of me, there was Harry Lorraine, Di Vernon, Slydini, and a whole bunch of big names right in front of me. I expect your legs went, did they? Well, uh, as Dominic said, this is a family show, so I can't tell you exactly what happened. Um, 
but, <laughs> involved a, a, an awkward moment. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was really... I was absolutely shaking like a leaf. Harry Lorraine, bless his cotton socks, leant forward and whispered in my ear, just assume we are all laymen and do what you do. Right. And instantly, my nerves went. Okay. Because you, remember... you had the help from, from somebody there, didn't you? Yeah, yeah I, just, I just didn't perform. What I, I just did what I did, and I suddenly realised if you relax and just do what you do, yeah. you're never going to really fool all the magicians. So just do what you do and hope they'll, hope they'll like it. And if you have that attitude, they will like it. And do you, do you get a buzz out of performing lectures? I love it. It's, it's, the, it's the most favourite thing I do now. I love teaching. I imagine you, I was just going to say, I imagine you don't mind sharing the craft. Not, not at all. Okay. I think it's the most important thing. I think, sadly, within the magic world, there's a lot of snobbery yeah. about um, you know, what we do, what we don't do, and you know, the whole aspect. And I don't like that. I've never liked the snobbery behind it, um, which is why I'm an official member of absolutely no clubs whatsoever. Okay, not even the magic circle. Hopefully it rubs off on other people. Okay. Are, are you not in the magic circle at all? No. Um, I t- I'm in the secret six, by the way, which is so secret, I don't know who the other five are. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, as long as you know who one of them is, I think that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um So if you're not in uh, the circle, do you, do you, do you or, or, or any other club, how do they know about you then? I mean, you just have, have this great reputation and you're invited to lecture at clubs. How can we see you? Where can we see you? Uh, well, I, I mean, I've just been doing it for such a long time. I think, you know, you, you probably had to be living under a rock in Lapland not to have heard of what I do. I I'm, not, I'm not being boastful. It's just that, you know, if you like, uh, you know, I've been around a long time and hopefully that's that's OK. And some people will like what I do. Some people don't. And I'm 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 happy with that as well. It's it's of no consequence to me. I think if I do a lecture and if people like me, they then hopefully rebook me. Do you have a you, you are the author of a lot of books, which is um, far too many. No, it's for, how many? How, how many books have you published? Paul? Thirty-eight. Good lord, I didn't realise. Was it really as many as that? That's, yeah. that's amazing. And I imagine that's your staple for if you do a lecture, you 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 you, you offer these books, do you? Yes, I mean the the, the, the a lot of people of uh, other colleague magicians, you know, other other creators and. Uh, uh, producers and so on they always say oh paul you write these books but the way forward is dvds well i actually i don't agree i think um in my experience books have always sold better um and that's not a boast i have to try and phrase that in a way it doesn't sound boastful but you know they have the books have sold thousands and thousands of copies over the years um and i'm sure that's more than most dvd productions do uh and the reason being is that a, um, with a book, you have to bring your own um, character to the party. Yeah. And somebody once wrote very, very recently, they said, uh, magic DVDs are passive, magic books are active. I see. I, I think they're two different animals. I, I, it sounds to me like yeah. your, your roots where you started was definitely with books. But I don't know. I think nowadays there are so many DVDs out there that mm. DVDs offer that visual aspect. It's a show, it shows you how to how to accomplish the tricks, and, and you can. It's see, very difficult not to start mimicking it. However you yeah, try, however hard you think you're trying, it's very hard not to duplicate the performer. Yes, I totally agree with that. No, absolutely, and, and of course that's a whole that's a whole nother. Uh, subject to, yeah, to yeah. No, and i'm not knocking dvds by the way because i produce them yeah. but mm. i think you know it's a good idea to have books alongside dvds and uh, try and not overdo the visuals and let your own performance and let your own character build yeah yeah i see okay that's good can i tell you one vignette sure little vignette for you when i was a young lad um at the IBM convention in the mid-70s, um, videos just started coming out. The first video that ever came out in this country, if I remember correctly, was Slidini. Okay. Now, the next year at the convention, I think everybody noticed this for the first time ever, there was a whole bunch of 13-year-old English boys walking around the convention, going up to people, saying things like, 
Hey, I take the baller. You watch the baller. <laughs> now, nobody, people thought, what on earth is going on there? And people, it's, it became evident that what was happening is these videos were uh, producing clones of the entertainers, which right. is why, you know, you see so many David Williamsons and David Blaines and uh, Dynamos out there because they've, they've become over-influenced by the video. Well, I, I agree, actually. Um, David Williamson is, is just the sort of performer that people would take the mannerisms of. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right there. But I don't know. I, I think there are pros and cons. A book, yeah. a book is, is um, a nice thing to have. I mean, I, I have many magic books, and, and there are lots in there. But I don't know. As a tutorial thing, I think a video is – I hear what you're saying – but uh, I, I think you can get almost a 3D dimensional view of, of how tricks are done. But can I, let me just one, one more on that, which yeah. I, I agree with you. Mm. I would say to people, um, the, the bottom line of the video DVD book debate is this. Just imagine you're my age. You had no choice. No. So if, if you go back, you know, all the magicians that now say I can only learn from DVDs, yeah. does that mean they would not have become magicians had they been around in the 60s and 70s? Yeah, I'm serious. <laughs> well, this is, this is what I was saying at the, at the beginning. You, you, you had to, I think you have to, your, your urge to be a magician uh, or, or perform magic must be very strong yeah. in books than it is nowadays, you know, because it's, it's so much easier, isn't it, nowadays to be able to access Yes, yeah. and, 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 and how to do from. And the trouble with, just in my opinion, I think the trouble is that it doesn't. If there's too many choices and too much, uh, too many learning mediums, I think sometimes people, in the end, they kind of give up too early. Yeah, anyway, that's another discussion, isn't it? It certainly is. I've also found that in, in many shops, it's it's getting increasingly uh, harder to actually buy props nowadays. There, there is a lot of. Um, I remember years ago going into a magic shop in London and it would just be full of gold-coloured boxes and, and yeah. some, you know, rings that do this and, and feathers that do that. And, and yeah. it looked like a big box of chocolates, and that's, that's what was so appealing to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So your latest book, um, which is very, very exciting, it's, um, it's the Gold Dust book. Now, explain what is that all about? Right, well, all the... The, the Gold Dust books, there's two of them, um, Gold Dust and Gold Dust Companion. Okay. Um, as I said to you earlier, I've written 38 books on magic over the years. Of those 38, about half of them are biographies of famous magicians, uh, memoirs I've done of famous magicians, and also reprints of classic books that have long been out of print. So of the remainder, about 20 books are of my own magic created since the mid-70s. Yeah. Well, um, I'm very pleased to say that they're all out of print. Um, they went out of print about two or three years ago. And so... Inst- <laughs> oh, what here? What's this? Oh, my... You see that photograph on the front? Good heavens. Is that you? That's my great-grandson. Yeah. <laughs> Good Lord. That's me. Now, Dominic, if, he, if he's there, he knows in there, one of my uh, staple tricks is diminishing not likely, which comes from there. Okay. Um, but anyway... All those books are out of print. Um, I still, by the way, I still use about 10 routines in that book at every gig. Right. Um, anyway, going back to Gold Dust, uh, because all the books went out of print, I decided to not reprint them. I wanted to do a best of. And Gold Dust is the best of everything I've ever done. Wow. What I decided to do was, because I write better now than I used to, um, I rewrote everything. And in doing that, I added all the nuances and all the bits and pieces I've picked up over the last 30-odd years and added them, added them to the routines. And also, um, there's about 50 or 60 new tricks in there, which I hadn't published, but I wanted to keep to myself. But now the Gold Dust books do contain the best of everything. Yeah. And then, by the way, production-wise, they look stunning. They are absolutely gorgeous. Gold foil embossed, real cloth cover, stitched head and tail bands they look absolutely lovely well, it sounds it sounds really nice and would this be a good book for a beginner though it would be because in each of those two books there's about 20 or 30 percent of them are as we lovingly call self-working okay now but by the way when i say self-working you do have to be there though yeah <laughs> yeah no <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like my automatic car. Okay. Yeah, that's right, yes, yeah. Okay, 
Okay, well that sounds great. Now, where can we get that from? Where, where, how, how can we, how can we have one um, delivered? You can get Gold Dust, um, the books from my website, which okay. is paulgordon.net. Sorry, just say that again. Paulgordon.net. That's right. P-A-U-L-G-O-R-D-O-N.net. Okay, great. And you've got all um, these in stock, I take it. Sorry. You've got all this in stock, and you can ship it out straight away. Straight away, absolutely. And on the website, by the way, on the web page dedicated to the books, there's some wonderful reviews from all over the world. There's some video clips of the tricks. Yeah. By the way, in total, we're talking of nearly 300 routines. Wow. That's really that's really great. So it would make the perfect Christmas present, perhaps, for... I'd like to think so. I shouldn't say it myself. But have a look at the videos, folks, if you're listening. Yeah. And if you like what you see... Um, you know, it's it's all there and the reviews, the contents. Okay. Uh, and there's also on the on the web page, by the way, there's a free sampler download if you want to try some of the tricks out for free. That's on there. Great. Okay. So so that's paulgordon.net, and you can purchase the, uh, the Gold Dust uh, book and the companion. Can I, can I ask you how much it is, Paul? Yeah, Gold Dust is fifty pounds. Okay. Gold Dust companion is thirty pounds. Um, and if you want to work that out, it's about 20 pence a trick. Right, okay, well, that sounds like excellent value. That's, that's fine. Okay. How long would it take you to put a book like this together? I mean, it must take months, does it? Uh, it took me, I mean, from scratch of rewriting it all and you publishing it. 50 years, couldn't you, Paul? <laughs> well, you know, 50 years, basically, yeah. Yeah, since I started working it all out. But the actual book itself, it was the, the two books took about two years to do because in total, I think it's 600 pages. Right. Okay, Blimey, that's... and that's uh, it's about half a million words or something, I think. Okay, that sounds that sounds fantastic. Well, there you go. Um, are you busy? Christmas is coming. Uh, obviously, we're in November now, and December's looming. How have you found work over, at, at Christmas time recently in, in the last sort of three or four years with this recession? Well, it's definitely it has definitely changed. But um, I I turned professional nearly twenty years ago. I haven't always been professional. And what with my previous work, I used to work in the entertainment business anyway. Um, I used to theatre management, so I, I used to do magic, you know, on that score anyway. But since 1979 until 2009, I worked every Christmas, um, including Christmas Day, Boxing Day, everything. And four or five years ago, I said to my wife, that's it, no more. So I don't actually work over Christmas anymore. Oh, blimey, really? Crikey, that's... that's... Well, I, do, I do some gigs in December itself, but I come come the 22nd or something, I decide not to do any more, so I I just enjoy it with the family. How does your family perceive your, your, your business? Um, <laughs> Depending how mine does. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they, they like it, but I, I think it's the whole thing. I think it normally skips a generation, so um, hopefully at some stage there'll be some grandchildren popping along and maybe they'll take it up, but... Uh, it is an obsession, though, isn't it, Maggie? I think you have to be obsessed by it. That's what I'm accused yeah. of, anyway. And obsession sometimes sounds negative. I think it's not. You know, it's definitely not negative. I think now my my big hero in life is Frank Sinatra. Okay. And Frank Sinatra said, "If you want to be good at something, you have to sleep it, eat it, drink it, think it, and live it." That's you know, there's no. You've got to be really immersed in it to do to do it well. So. Uh, you know, I don't think I'm obsessed, but I do love it. But mm. it's not the be-all and end-all because I have many other hobbies and interests. Do you have any other um, hobbies that, that have nothing to do with magic, but but you can relate them to that? Um, well, yes. I'm. I'm um, for 20 years, I used to sing in a big band. Oh, we didn't know that. Did you? Yeah, I was a big band vocalist, and I used to do magic on the side. Um, if you you can see me singing on YouTube here and now, I was good at it as well. Oh, we'll have to have a look at that. Don, did you hear that, Paul? Yeah, hi, hi, Paul. Hello, hello Dominic. Hello, everyone. <laughs> hey, Paul, really good hearing um, hearing about this so far. So it's really useful information for for um, both for, for magicians that maybe are more experienced and um, and uh, have been going the DVD route. And perhaps it, this is a little bit of a call to action for them to maybe pick up some books as well. Mm. Um, so that they're not just performing. What, what I'm finding is that everybody seems to be buying the latest and greatest releases all the time. But, but the, the sort of a hype engine from from America of, of the latest tricks that have come out. Mm. 
which is all good, but it means everybody's doing the same tricks. And when, yeah. I, when I turn up to gigs, I'm finding we, we all arrive and we're all performing the same stuff. Yeah, yeah. We're going to be like, oh, okay, well, I want, I want to do the Omni deck today. No, so you can't do that. And yeah, uh, I'm awful, going to do this. Yeah, and there's a, there's a little bit of fight. So I think with books, you get that diversity Mm. Uh, and you you dig down because it, it's just a frame and then you build your own presentation for it you you are forced in a way to say how would i present this and is this something yeah. that will work with me rather yeah. than just being sold that oh i can see this it's getting great reactions i want those reactions i'm going to do it yeah I, I i think um um from from my own part you know I, i've produced i think about four or five dvds over the years and i know that a lot of magicians perform the stuff they see on the dvds but as a tease, what I sometimes do is at lectures or conventions in the alleyways and hallways and wherever in the bar, yeah. I perform tricks that are only in the books, not on the DVDs. And then the magicians will say, oh, where's that? And I say, oh, it's on, I don't know, it's in one of the books somewhere. They say, which book is that? And I say, oh, I, go, I don't remember. Yeah. Well, because I, I don't want to do all the work for them. I know every time uh, every time I'm at a convention, I always pop by your um, your stand. Yes. Because uh, well, it's it's got the glasses. <laughs> yeah, that's what my Google glasses. <laughs> I think I'm going off those now. I've got over it. I've got it out myself. <laughs> <laughs> you look like a World War Two spy. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you get some funny looks, but uh, <laughs> I've got to wonder whether. <laughs> wear them at a gig because it'd be quite good to film an audience reaction yeah, they'll think you're up to something won't they? yeah they do yeah they'll think it's all, it all in the yeah. but you know when yeah. i by the way can i can i just add to that dominic yeah that's a very good point further to the earlier question if you can get somebody to film you you know the youngsters listening if you can get somebody to film you entertaining that's always good what then watch it back and be really self-critical yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, there's there's a thing in psychology called the Dunn-Kruger effect, which is um, it, it's why um, it's why X Factor is so popular, and it's where you know you have these people that go on and they start singing and they're told that they're clearly awful, yeah, they're told that they're awful, but they're really really surprised and yeah. they understand it, and it's because they only have a small, limited scope of, of feedback from their family and friends. Yeah, yeah. And it's very easy to become um, from a complete novice to a beginner, mm. not a small step, but it's a large step from a beginner to an expert. Yeah. And you don't know what you don't know. So you don't know that, that you're perhaps missing all of the presentation and the, and the, um, yeah. other, than what you've, or other than the instructions in a magic trick. So, it, so getting that that feedback from outside your immediate family and friends that are, that are seeing you perform yeah. is valuable. And you can get that feedback, even if you're not prepared to go out to mm. the public yet because of nerves, by filming yourself, yeah. spending a little bit of time, a delay of a week or so before you're watching it back. And if you're brave enough to watch it back, because often it's, it's, a scary, it's a scary experience, watch it as if you've bought a Magic DVD and you're seeing that performer live for the first time and, and you'll find out with and everything falls away then all of the the, the, the flattery falls away and you're left with the, the, the truth of how you actually come across yeah it's absolutely really good advice that and the other thing is that i'm i'm still self-critical because i you know as i said i produce deep videos and dvds and all sorts i've even produced by the way many many years ago i produced a 16 millimeter film <laughs> <laughs> That's how old I am. The Charlie Chaplin thing, is it? <laughs> directed, by Ce- directed by Cecil B. DeMille. <laughs> but anyway, I can't look at them anymore. I, even my recent DVD, I, DVDs, I don't like to look at because I always find myself saying, oh, I shouldn't have done this, I should have done that, I wish I hadn't have done this, I wish I hadn't done that. You know, my, my wife said to me just a couple of days ago whilst I was editing a piece of video footage of myself, she said, oh, for goodness sake, you're so obsessed, look, look. At... And I explained to her that this is not me looking at me and how good I look and how clever I am. This is a, this is a business. I, I'm a product. Hmm. And that's, that's, that's a, a mental attitude that I try and keep, that the product is me as a performer, not personally me yeah absolutely. that's very interesting Mike, just... you are obsessed though because you've got a picture of you on the screensaver of your iphone and in the middle of my steering wheel when i'm driving you <laughs> <laughs> really have really what have i got a picture where you got a picture of you if you clicked up that phone yes there would be me, there'd be a picture of you on it well, 
it's a good point. You've got to have a modicum of that. I yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I think it's um, really important, you know, not to, uh, as you said earlier, not to start believing our own publicity because uh, yes. you know, we're all we're all basically in the same racket, aren't we? Yeah. I always found that if if I was booked, say, the fortieth birthday to go and perform some close-up magic. Yeah. And I wouldn't be, but even if I was appalling, all the guests would say to the booker how good the magician was because it'd be too rude to say he was awful. That guy who spent all that money, what a terrible magician! So you know, you, you are on a bit of a winner there. But you're right, never ever believe you on advertising, otherwise you'll overtake yourself. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is that yeah, I've known many many technically excellent magicians over the years who are as dull as dishwater. Yeah, could never entertain anybody, and I've also known some really entertaining magicians who aren't very technically good. So I guess the thing is to have a, a happy balance between both, you yeah. know, of technique and performance. But um, in the end, if they don't like you, it's all over, isn't it? I um I went on a cruise ship once a long time ago, and there was a magician on there who was a, a very successful magician. Mm-hmm. Um, say who it was but um i introduced myself i was also working as a magician this is years ago this is on the, when oriana first came out for pno yeah and i watched the show which was amazing i mean it was copperfield sized um something went wrong and uh i didn't see this guy for the whole rest of the cruise he, yeah he was so mortified that, that he'd just forgotten to put something in his pocket and oh. the trick failed. He cobbled. He cobbled the trick together at the end. But right. Yeah, but I wasn't. Yeah, I mean it, that happens. But he it was it affected him so much that he mm-hmm. couldn't, he couldn't face me. He couldn't. He didn't want to see me coming down the corridor. He hid away in his cabin for the rest of Absolutely, he absolutely hid away in his cabin, and it was only. In, I, I, but can I tell you, by the way, I have improved since those days. Have you, Paul? I wasn't <laughs> going to mention that it was you. It wasn't you. It wasn't you. It was that was my old stage act I used to do. Yeah. Have you done any work on stage before, a stage act? Well, apart from the singing, no, not really. Oh, really? You've never thought about being a, a sleight-of-hand magician? Uh, uh, I mean, a silent act or illusions? And no. Uh, I, I love... I love Because, you know, when I perform, I'm kind of, I don't know, semi-comedic, you know? Um, and I like that. I, I like interacting with people. I love the buzz of the whole. I love them laughing. I like making them laugh. I like them enjoying the close-up magic and them going wow. You know, I like that face-to-face fe- feeling. And by the way, just um, another thing. I've got all these ideas in my head to talk to you about. Mm-hmm. There was a very famous uh, American magician who came up with a book many, many years ago about the art of performance. One of the things he said in there which made me think to myself, is he really doing this professionally? He said, if you do close-up magic and you get a trick wrong, yeah. stop, apologise, and start again. Hmm. I think that's totally wrong. Hmm. I would never apologise. I would never start again. I would just work my way through it, and I'd come to some kind of successful conclusion. You're admitting that there's a problem here. And then... I would never admit there's a problem. Yeah. And it's happened to me. I'm sure, you know, with yourself, Dominic, you've done a trick. You're a bit tired, and yeah. somewhere along the line it goes pear-shaped. Yeah, you get it happens to full, doesn't it? All the time, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> you get out of it, don't you? Yeah, of course you do. I, I mean, there's a, I, I like to push myself and put my, my neck on the line. Sometimes I'll start a trick and I don't know where it's going to go at all. Mm. And, and, and I'll put together a set of moves and routines and end up with a conclusion, which I sort of come up halfway through the trick. I like to do that sometimes because that's at that point you can actually manufacture a whole new trick. You do something. You know what the answer there is, don't you? What's that? Read Gold Dust and learn some decent tricks. <laughs> okay, well, I might have to do that. You might have to, might have to send us a copy, I promise. <laughs> now, one thing I noticed, I, I, I touched on it earlier, is, is when I do go to your standard at uh, lectures, yeah. um, unlike you, the normal dealer stalls are completely full of all the latest bells and whistles and everything, but your stand's very simple. It has a stack of your books yeah. and a close-up mat. And every time I'd, I'd walk up there, and guys, if you're at a, a magic convention, you see Paul Gordon stand, uh, don't just walk past all the stands like you, like you normally do and just scan what's on the table because it's all inside the books. It's not laid out on the table. Just go over and say hello to, to Paul and say, oh, show me one of the tricks from your book because that's what you're doing all day. It's the real deal, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. 
and you're, you're actually there to demo it. So the, the tricks in your books aren't pipe dreams. They're all things that, um, that you'll actually show them and you'll show them in action, which, which is really nice. It's very refreshing. Well, you're very kind. Bless you. I yeah. mean, I, I do, um, when I perform at the dealers, dealers uh, conventions and whatever, I always demonstrate the tricks with absolute conviction of how I perform them normally. And my, my stand is well known for probably being the most sparsest stand in the business. Yeah. I don't have any cloths, banners, bells, whistles. I have my tricks, my books, a few DVDs on the table. I demonstrate it, and I say to people, if you like it, here it is, and if you don't like it, well, it's been nice to meet you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you come over to your stand, and what you get is a conversation. Yeah. Rather than, um, rather than browsing a, a stand like a car boot sale come over and be shown something interesting i'm, I'm always yeah, very i'm always very conscious of going anywhere near a stand and i'll get roped into some 10 minute routine i can't get away from yeah that sounds that sounds rude but i don't when i'm looking and i'm thinking about something or it's especially if i'm actually looking for something to replace or to purchase or to buy and sometimes i don't want to get into a conversation and i certainly don't want to see a trick yeah that's true but the thing is you can you can very easily get into it's a bit like searching on google where um you end up getting in, in a bubble an information bubble yeah because you're not yeah. discovering anything new so so you look around a dealer hall and you're looking at the latest greatest things and you're only really looking for things that you already know about yeah you can't look for things you haven't discovered because you don't know them mm. but if you go over and um, a conversation starts and you're shown something that, that you never knew existed because it's buried deep in a book. Mm. Um, you, you, that's really valuable because yeah. most of the stores you can just look online and everything's there. Yeah. Whereas if you have someone that's actually deming something from a book, you're going to discover a, a gem. And there's nothing more rewarding than making that work. Yeah, find something special. Ah. 90% of the other magicians aren't going to be doing. Can I just add to, add to that that uh, for my own part, you know, I really do like people. Now, that's important because when i on the dealer stand, uh, and I have a good memory. This is another thing I do. I do a memory course as well every now and then. Yeah. I learned this from Harry Lorraine. I remember all the magicians I've met over the years, and I really do. I, I shake hands. I ask them their name. We have a little conversation. I then entertain them, and I, I always try and entertain with people. I don't demonstrate at them. Yeah. And I know a lot of dealers, they make that big mistake. They go into this um, rehearsed uh, by rote, by numbers, presentation, kind of looking through you, not looking at you. They look through you, and that's when you feel like, oh, God, how long have I got to stay here? I, I want to get away, and you're kind of sucked into this sales pitch. Yeah. And I, I don't think I do a sales pitch. I just think I perform it, and I let people judge whether they like it or not. It sounds like a good uh, a, a yeah. good, good combination there. Dominic, I know you don't do the conventions anymore, but you were very good at that, weren't you? Uh, cheers. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, no, we don't. We we don't tend to sort of get involved with them. I, I attend quite a few. Yeah. I find I'd rather be chatting with magicians in the bar and, and meeting people and things yeah. rather than being stuck behind a stand for the whole weekend. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, the website and the magic shop are running 24 hours a day anyway. Mm. So, um, for me, it's it's not really, doesn't need to be a commercial thing. I'd rather go there and, and chat to people and build connections and catch up with people rather than have to, every time I meet the people, be selling to them. Yeah. Um, but it's different. It's very different because we have a shop and we have a website running. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, um, we, we should do it, but it, it's just, um, it's, it's not high on my priorities. There's, su- there's such a lot to do with the magic shop as it is. Yeah, yeah. And you do a very, it's a very, uh, I, I'm not buttering you up here, but you have a very good site. And have you noticed I've been ordering a lot of stuff from you lately? You have, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, thank you for that. So where was the Paul Gordon discount? The Paul Gordon discount. Have you not found that button? There's a yeah. whole button on there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm still waiting for my John Rackabama. Paul State, that about Paul yeah. Gordon discount button. Hey, I think you've got some reward points anyway in your account, Paul. <laughs> you can, uh... I can put you on the spot here, can't I? Yeah, you could, yeah. <laughs> but I have got an edit button. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, what I wanted to what I wanted to touch on because um basically for, for Magic Shop, we, we don't really want to be sort of like um uh, a, a reviewing um show for, for yeah. our our media that we put out. But the the idea of a blog and the idea of this podcast and things is, is really to help people that have stumbled across our website but maybe aren't looking on all the forums and aren't immersed in all the magic culture. 
And there yeah. are also lots of magicians. Uh, we see magicians all the time, and, and we, we think that magicians are everywhere. All our friends are magicians. Yeah. But to most people, it's actually quite rare that they meet someone that, that's a magician. Mm. Um, and so the idea really is to give these people a little bit of a push so that um, they can fall in love with the sleight of hand aspect of it and the performance aspect rather yeah. than being sold to all the time. So um, I know you do a lot of lectures and you've done some workshops where you've you've taken a team of people that have come to spend a day with you and, and learn your card magic. Yeah. How do you deal with starting off the complete beginners that come that really, you know, they don't know anything. They don't know how to do a, a double lift or um, don't even know how to hold a deck of cards. How do you start those guys off? Well, the, the, the magic days I do, um, I do, uh, it's called card capers. And yeah. I started them about 15 years ago. And I think I've done about 18 or 19 now, yeah. um, mostly where I live in Worthing. But I, I've done, I've um I've been to Glasgow, uh, Manchester, um, the Midlands, Ireland, and a few other places. And the idea of the day is I say to people, you know, you're not going to remember most of this stuff. It's eight hours. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you that if I can do it, you can. And I'm a firm believer in that because I really do not have any ego about what I do. I know some people think I do, but that's just enthusiasm. But I don't have any ego about it. I just work hard at it. And I say to people... I'm going to show you some slights, some, some tricks and routines. I make the day fun, by the way, because I tell it as it is, which is why it's an adult type um, arena, because I tell, you know, I tell all the stories of things that happen at shows and gigs. And as you probably know, I do a lot of stag nights and hen nights where it's a bit near the knuckle and so on. Um, so these days are really what I call inspirational days. Um, I talk about presentation, patter, performance, tricks, slights, funny stories, gags, bits of business, and I go through the whole gamut of it, really. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so if you're a beginner, you know, yeah. you, you just hopefully you come away from the whole day thinking, oh, it, it is this, this racket is doable. It doesn't have to be frightening. So do you think complete beginners should start off with something that's, that's almost, totally, uh, almost self-working? Yes, I think so, because if you do something self-working and you get a buzz from it and you get a response from it, it'll then make you think, oh, I'll do something a bit more advanced, you know. Drive you for the next bit. Yeah. But now the trouble is, you see, when I was a young boy, um, the magic books in those days, the the ones from the 1800s, like Hoffman and Sachs and Bertnays and Bertram, they used to say things like, if a magician can't do the pass 20 times in a minute, he's not worth his salt. Well, you, when you're a young, young young lad, you believe that, don't you? Yeah. Now, I've I've spent the last 50 years, or you know, certainly the last 30 years, I don't do second deals, I don't do bottom deals. I can do them, by the way, but I just don't do them. Yeah. Um, and I none of my re- tricks require the pass or any of those heavy slights. And I think I've been doing okay. So you know. Yeah, I, I never bothered learning the pharaoh shuffle. Oh, you um, should. Do, I, I do the pharaoh shuffle for like easy access stuff easy ace estimation and stuff like that yeah it's easier than it it looks i I just worry that a a lot of these things for complete beginners can be rabbit holes that they end up going down and spending so much time on like like mastering a pass yeah that that they just carry on down that for months and months and months and, and they're not working on on building a wider range of material and 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 a performable set of tricks well harry lorraine correctly said he said if you can do um, a palm, a control, a force, and a jog shuffle and a double lift, you can do miracles for laymen. Yeah, yeah. Then you build a, yeah, you, build, you can have a whole card magic career. Now, I know you're, you, when, when you're performing, your, your show, your close-up set, is it all cards, or do you tend to add other stuff in there as well? Yeah, it is all cards. It's everything, you know, everything from the books, all the packet tricks I've sold over the years. It's just, it's what I do. I I, I've never sold anything that I don't do. Yeah. So if you turn up for if you book for a gig, you're going to arrive with a deck of cards, and that's it. That's what you're going to use for a whole evening. Well, I, don't, I have a deck of cards, and probably about I take about three or four select packet tricks. Yeah. Um, and a pack of cards, and um, that's what I do. I mean, if you're doing strolling magic like I do, you know, like you do, yeah. you, you end up entertaining a party of two hundred people. You only do about four or five tricks for each group. Yeah. Um, but I do a lot of kind of close-up things, um, like little soiree-type things, where 
uh, and I did two last week where I'm invited to somebody's house and for an hour or more I sit at their dining room table with seven people and I do a one hour or two hour card act now that means I'm doing about 70 or 80 different routines and that is really hard work I had a gig um, a couple of nights ago where I was booked for it was only 10 people and they wanted me for two hours before um, they yeah. were going out. So what I did is I divided the, the group up into little groups of three, and they all went into a separate room. I had Helen Hudson's idea of having a secret room. So, mm. um, so I was set up in the dining room, and I had four people come in. I did a little sort of 15 minutes, mm. 10 minutes uh, close-up show, basically what I would do during the walk around and at the tables. And then they were sworn to secrecy, and the next little group of four I just, came in. I just start dancing. You as soon as I run out of material. Well, I you think. do a lot of after dinner. You'll you'll be set outside the venue, yeah. And the the host will give you a call, and you'll come in uh, after the, dinner. The reason, show. the reason why I do, I, I do a lot of after dinner shows. So right. The idea is that they they have a, a little dinner party, say eight, ten, twelve people, one table. Uh, and I say to them, look, when you're ready for me, just send me a text or give me a call when you're 15 minutes away, and I'll come in. Now, the reason for that is... You're sat in the car outside well, watching Paul Walking That's right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason for that is I did it once. When it, I went in, they said, look, we're, we're just about to start eating. Do you want to sit in this room? And I sat in a room staring at the wall, knowing that the client was worried that I was sitting in that room staring at the wall. And she was trying to hurry people along because she was concerned that I was just sitting there. So... If you're not in the house and I say, look, I've got loads I can do, you know, you just give me a call when you're ready. Take your time and just don't think about me until you've, until you've had your dinner. Yeah. Then, then I'll come in. It's much more comfortable for the client. They're not worrying about yeah. you being in the next room, especially if you're supposed to be a surprise. And they just yeah. send me a text. They just send me a text or phone up and say, are you ready, Mike? We're ready for you now. Brilliant. And I can it's like being an after dinner speaker. Straighten the tie and then I go. And I love doing those. I love yeah. those. Very private, very intimate. And yeah. you really pull the, the, the comments out of people. It's very nice. Well, hey, look, Paul, uh, we're, we're getting short on time now. So um, but I, there's a couple of quick questions that I did want to want to sort of put in. One yeah. that I ask everybody is, you know, looking back at your career, Paul, um, is there, if you could do maybe one or two things differently, what would you have done? What would you do? Oh, um it's a tough question that when it gets people. <laughs> yeah. um, what would I have done differently? Yeah. Um, Carried on singing. <laughs> well, actually, my, my my major first love was the singing is what I wanted to do as a career, but actually it turned out the magic was uh, uh, easier to do because um, I can go out and with a pack of cards and whatever, and uh, the money was better. Whereas the big band there used to be eighteen of us, and uh, it was hard to put it all together. But um. I don't think I'd change anything because uh, I've had a wonderful time. I've met some wonderful people. Um, I have lots of, you know, good friends in magic and out of it. And, you know, I've thankfully had a nice living from the whole affair. And uh, uh, and what I I think the thing is I wanted to prove to myself and to the people when I was younger, all the old-time magicians I met said, oh, you can't just do cards, you can't just do this, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. And when people have said that to me over the years, it's like a red red rag to a bull. And I thought, well, why can't I just do this? And why can't I do that? So I think I'm probably one of the only people who actually do earn a living from just doing card magic. Um, Because in the end, the cards, the magic that we do are the tools. And in the end, people are buying us as entertainers, aren't they? As as personalities, really. You know, if they they like... Because I go to a gig and I... I shake hands with everybody. I, I'm, I'm telling little quips and funnies. I'm, I, 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 I like interacting. I'm good at interacting with people. So they, they're buying the whole package. So I don't think I'd really change anything. Great. And if people want to meet you in person, what's the next um, convention you're going to be at? Um, the next one, well, apart from, apart from a few local clubs, I think probably the next major one, where are we? Uh, September, October, November. Well, Blackpool. <laughs> Blackpool, yeah, in, in February. Whatever the dates, yeah, February, the whatever. Usually the last weekend, isn't it, of February? Yeah. yeah I, I, Paul, thanks ever so much for taking the time to um, uh, have a chat with us like this. Um, th- thank you both very much indeed. 
<laughs> no worries. All right, cheers. Um, thanks, everyone. Thanks for watching. Remember, if you've got any problems or questions at all, you can shoot us an email over at support at magicshop.co.uk and check out the blog as well, which is blog.magicshop.co.uk. Uh, we've just put a, an article on there today uh, about a guy who's having trouble with his overhand shuffle. Uh, the cards are clumping together when he, um, when he tries to shuffle. So uh, we've had some advice from magicians uh, about that to try and help make uh, make the shuffle smoother. There's also some information there as well uh, about our top 10 uh, magic tricks that have been released in 2014. Um, not necessarily um, the ones that you would be thinking about. There's some quite strange and maybe even controversial tricks on the list there, so worth checking out. So thanks everyone, thanks for watching, and we'll catch up with you later. Cheers, bye-bye. Bye-bye.